your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. In studio with me is, oh, I was going to say the wrong name, Spencer Wilkin. Yes. Is that right? I have to do it by memory because <laughs> uh, she, she uh, formerly known as Spencer Halsey. You're, are you, you're not really tan. I tried. I really did. But I'm, I'm, I guess I'm technically like Wisconsinite, so I didn't come back <laughs> Wisconsin very tan. White? Is that Wis- what you said? <laughs> Wisconsin White, yes. <laughs> but uh, Spencer just got married in the past month, so she was fresh from a tropical getaway uh, in which she must have spent more time in the water than on the, on the <laughs> sand soaking up the rays. Uh, and then you come back to this, not not the worst. It was snowing when I came back. Oh, good. It was, okay. I'm like, so this the is worst. what I missed. I, I love the snow, so it worked out. Fall's my favorite season, so even if I got married in the fall, I'd be like, can we do the honeymoon, like, in the winter? Because, like... You don't want to miss out on Wisconsin fall. Like, mid-January to whatever, fe- February, sometimes March, like, mm-hmm. just, like, take me away, because that, at that point, I'm sick of winter, and then by March, winter hasn't hasn't gone away yet. Mm-hmm. And then if it even if it does, it's muddy, and you you just like because people are always like, oh, spring's the best. The birds are chirping and the flowers are blooming. Like, no, it's just muddy and snows every other week, and so it's the worst. But um, all right, so she is also uh, along with her name change, she's also the UW Lacrosse Outreach Specialist, and we bring her on here about once a month to just to just explore the world and beyond. In, in terms of science. Oh, yeah. And I feel like today might be a little bit of doom and gloom. No, I've got, I've tried. I tried to find some good stuff. But the stuff. first story is so the bad. The first story is really bummed. But let's just do like a real quick rundown. We don't have to, we don't want to deep dive into any of these, but like the, the highlight slash low light of the show might be just be that we're not going to be. Unless we're uber rich, we might not be eating crab for some time. Yeah, uh, sad crabs. Interesting um, development near Alaska. But there's some good things. Um, We've kind of figured out why people attract more mosquitoes. Okay, so we can't eat crabs. Mosquitoes are going to be eating. We know who's going to be eaten by mosquitoes, perhaps. Uh, Birds aren't real. Is anything real? Is is the real question. Right. um, I do want to talk to you about the about Na- is it NASA shot an asteroid, the Dart with, mission with a with a spaceship essentially right that were a drone or whatever you want to call it uh, satellite of sorts and they had this, just the the world's most perfect camera angle for it fake I think it was fake <laughs> it's all fake Moon asteroid landing. redirection test yeah faked. it didn't happen fake landing we just faked it all <laughs> um, let's see what else. What else? Those are the ones that, like, oh, the heaviest bony fish fish ever caught. Yeah, we're taking it to the sea today. And we'll have to, like, we'll have to dive into this a little bit because I think a lot of people are interested (laughs) interested in fishing around here uh, because this thing was three tons. Three tons. And I'm just thinking, all I think is rod and reel. I'm (laughs) reeling in three tons. Like, good thing I got the three ton pound test on here. Three ton pound test. Get it? Um, all right, what else? We did mosquito one. And just just um, star stuff at the end, miscellaneous star stuff. No, this last one, though, you missed this one. The Mississippi are super oh, low. That one's, that that one's kinda... obviously like, we've talked about it mm-hmm. in general. Um, news stories we've had on the website. Uh, but the, the doom and gloom of the Mississippi being, I think it's in this area, it's like five feet. 
So just think about like I can can I walk across the Mississippi right now without because uh, I'm six feet tall. Um, I don't know if you could, but <laughs> nope. and, and nobody would want to because it's pretty cold out. But actually, it was pretty nice out today. But you still wouldn't want to go to the Mississippi. It but it's 40. so low, and how how that low water is going to affect also affect us, right? Like mm-hmm. not eating crab, but maybe other things. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line if you want to get in here. You got a science question for Spencer, shoot us a text, give us a call. Uh, Sam, we're going to go to the news so we can deep dive into this stuff a little bit uh, when we come back. Sam's got to do the news first, though. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608 608- 785-7914 is the talk and text line. I, I don't want to start with the crab story because it's really sad. So let's go somewhere else. Let, let's start with something awesome. Um, I think my favorite science story that just came out is, of course, the James Webb Telescope doing it again with another awesome photo. So uh, for those of you who have ever seen a space photo, uh, you've probably seen the Pillars of Creation photo by Hubble. Uh, It is a small section of a huge uh, star nursery where the stars are forming. It's a big glass gas cloud in space. And it is a truly stunning photo whenever taken with some of the best cameras ever made. So if you haven't seen this photo yet, you probably have because all your Gen Z friends on Facebook have shared it. Um, it It is truly a stunning photo. And it's almost a little haunting. So this is, I'm looking at the two photos. This is the old one. This mm-hmm. is the new one. Yeah. So the old photo is, is very gaseous. You don't get to see all the stars because they are blocked by the gas, right? It's, but it's actually, it's actually full of stars. What's What's interesting about the photo, it looks like a hand reaching up. Mm-hmm. Kinda. So, I mean, if you turn it the other way, it'd be a hand reaching out at you. It kind of looks, uh, you could probably use it as a Halloween decoration, I'm sure. It's very spooky. It is very haunting. It does look like a creepy hand uh, reaching out. Um, so why why is it uh, is the James Webb Telescope significant? Is it just cool, or is it is there some significance here that we can learn from a better picture? So, well, we are we are actively pushing our current understanding of the universe. Uh, most notably, we are determining what it's made out of. Uh, just today, uh, one of the biggest science stories was that scientists are now getting a better picture of how rapidly the universe is expanding and how much of it is dark matter and how much of it is dark energy. This is huge because it's changed the numbers we currently had. It's it made very, it better. It's very relevant nowadays, too, with all the dark money. So just <laughs> dark part of money, that. Dark, dark money and politics. Dark, no, I'm just dark matter. Yeah, I so, had to make it political. Oh, unbelievable. Anyway, so go on. Yeah, it's, it allows us to just see more. We are seeing things that we were never able to see before. And also, gosh darn it, like the best foam background photos I've, like, yeah. if you need a new phone or Facebook banner, look to the James Webb Space Telescope. They got you covered. When are one of these going to pick up a spaceship? Just be like, oh, what is that? It's not ours. <laughs> Somebody's spaceship. Well, I don't know who that is. did get the first ever photos of an exoplanet, like an actual picture of an exoplanet. Um, we've always gotten pictures of them passing in front of stars and making them dim. Okay. But now we actually have a photo of like a planet. Why do you say XO? XO letters? XO. Uh, EXO planet oh, okay. outside of our solar system. Oh, okay. So now, okay. So, um, yeah. So, still, very distant planet. I still think this is just a hobby. <laughs> a very expensive like, a, government yeah, hobby. Yeah, it's a ridiculously expensive hobby. But, you know, until we see that spaceship, I'm not going to care. 
Um, but like, let's stick to, to the space thing because I made fun of this. That we we shot a, I, I just want to call it a drone or a, some kind of spaceship or some kind of man-made device into an asteroid pretty far away. Um, do you so, want to? Yeah, I'll tell you about the. So the Dart mission uh, was just completed September twenty sixth, um, and the goal of this mission was to determine can we protect ourselves against asteroids and the answer is yeah we can uh we can actually uh have a satellite a um pretty large satellite go out and redirect an asteroid before it comes towards us uh, just by kind of tapping it and just changing its course ever so slightly uh and of course on the surface this sounds obvious like if you just move something it'll you know way down the way be way off track and it won't even come close to us, but the science of hitting an asteroid, a tiny, tiny little rock in space, comparatively, uh, is is tough. And so they, they've managed to, to prove that it's possible. The camera that you watch smash into the asteroid is like if you drove your car into a building, but you set a like GoPro. a dash cam or something, like mm-hmm. GoPro right on the hood ornament. Yep. Or I don't think we're doing hood ornaments anymore, but you made it a hood ornament. But like, okay... Like you put the camera and you be, you were able to figure out which direction this thing was going to go and exactly have have it right as the hood ornament smashes into the come on. So like, the the direction of the satellite was not visually determined; it was all mathematically determined. So the the camera was there for funsies, but at where everything was going to be was determined way before they sent that satellite. Well, out. that's what I mean. Is yeah. they they just uh, like or they had fifty cameras. But if they had fifty cameras, then we'd see different angles of this thing. Like I want to see the side angle of this thing <laughs> no! smashing. But we just had the one camera right on the hood ornament. We managed to send this thing off millions and millions of miles. I'm guessing was it millions of miles? I'm guessing it's just I just throw I, I maybe actually, it's billions of miles. I, I don't actually know. don't remember how far away it was. And then uh, of course the the camera we put on is the the best camera angle for smashing <laughs> directly into this thing front and center like we T-boned it and we had the camera on, you know, right at the center of the T. Um also like there's Armageddon jokes. Bruce Willis was driving this thing at NASA. He's like he's using the mm-hmm. or now now when you look back to Armageddon, Bruce Willis movie ridiculous like they're comical like, like we're gonna we're reason. gonna hire oil rig guys to go to space as a and teach them how to be astronauts or we could teach astronauts how to do oil rig stuff but anyway uh the, uh, the same time the movie deep impact came out did you ever watch deep impact no i i don't think so okay so very the exact same time these two movies came out but man they really should have came out just the, the past couple of months because they really been very fitting with uh, we're actually doing this. So 1998, both those movies came out, and it you know it was soon. It, it will be cheaper to do it for real. Well, so 24 years it took us to uh, to make it real, I guess. To, well, to make this. Speaking uh, of, uh, or I, in my book, say, not real. It hurts to say good. this. It, like speaking of, I'm gonna do air quotes hoaxes. Ugh. Uh, we actually are going back to the moon still. The Artemis ro- rocket is been pending, right? But they have a new launch date. Oh, okay. November 14th. We're going. We're going to the moon uh, for the first time. <laughs> well, no, but we're not putting people on the moon. Uh, uh, Artemis is. Is there a person on this ship? It, yeah, I think there is a person on this. Is ship. you walk or um, she? She. I don't know what the goal is with her to have her go walk around. They're doing it for economic reasons, so probably. Economic reasons. They're like going to go see go... what minerals are on the moon. Right. Well, we should. We already know that because we went there a whole bunch of times. Going again. 
Um, yeah, right. All right. Uh, <laughs> you said this. I well, tried to so, make this fun. It's and so then, you know. <laughs> funny, too, because we, we went to... We were going to go to the moon, and then, like, the this, this stupid ship had a gas leak, and they had to postpone the date, and then they postponed the date again. Weather. and 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 then it had, yeah, so, like, oh, we can't even get the thing off the ground, let alone, like, mm, we landed on the moon in, like, the 70s. Okay, so we're going <laughs> to, we haven't been back, but now we're going to go again. Oh, wait, the stupid rocket's got a gas leak, and we're scratching the mission for months. Oh, man. All right, I'm just going to say, I personally believe the moon landing was real, and... <laughs> And I'm excited to go back. Is how I'll see that. Um. All right. We'll move on. We'll move on. No, I'm just. I'm. I'm kind of half kidding. Um. All right. So you do have. We'll stick to space real quick. You do. Yes. Have, uh, I see. You, all you did is put the tiniest little thumbnail picture of a black hole. Yeah. Um. We got a new photo. It's. This is just. I know you're not really supposed to talk about pictures on the radio because. Right. Good luck with that. But we're we're taking really cool photos, and I'll leave it really quickly. Just as we've got a brand new photo. Is this another James Webb? This pic- is not a James Webb. Who's this taking is, this picture? Um, like some weird telescope in Hawaii or something? Uh, probably, probably ground-based one. Uh, yeah. I actually don't remember which telescope took. See, this that's one. why I told you when you make these Google Docs, you got to put the links in, and then got to put the links in. I got to put my cite my sources. See, see how the next story we have on here, the three-ton fish, a bulbous corpse found bobbing off a tiny island. See, I can I, read I this stuff because I got the T's. I got the, no, I put those notes oh, in Oh, you left good notes. So we <laughs> You have... just have a thumbnail of a, of a <laughs> circle, and that's red with yellow in the middle, and apparently that's the brightest black hole picture we've we ever had, had. We just took the brightest photo of anything in space of all time. Um, and it's, ironically, it's a black hole? It's a bla- it's, it's black hole shouldn't producing. a black hole be like not bright at all it sucks up light like this am i frustrating you today no it's we're, we're going hard right at the beginning <laughs> hi dad how's it going you're listening in today <laughs> can we just flustered on the radio about photos of trying to describe a photo on the radio because well, when we think black hole Mm-hmm. We think it's just it's a thing that sucks in all the light. So therefore, the the brightest photo of a black hole would be the darkest black picture we've ever seen. And in, in my head, you know, like you talk about like newer TVs have the darkest. This TV is the darkest black that you could ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that would be my the newest high quality photo of a black hole to me would be the darkest black thing in space ever. And then everything around it, you maybe you see everything else. So. It's it's the bright part of it is the fact that it's forming and so it produces very violent, very bright lights as light gets ripped into it, right? Mm-hmm. And the uh, the energy releases uh, a lot. It's a lot of energy release, and that is what's actually bright. The the star itself is um, is not bright, but as it forms, it can release a lot of energy. That release of energy is like a supernova, uh, and that can be incredibly bright. Do you ever get just do you ever get frustrated that you're born like maybe a hundred or so years too early? Because all we can do is kind of look at maybe some of this stuff and we're just ba- we're va- vaguely figuring out what this stuff is. Dark matter, black holes. And we have no idea because in a hundred years we'll be like, oh, a black hole was just like somebody opening a window into space to, you know, a hyperdrive or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it could be anything. I feel, well, I guess... Uh, luckier than if I had been born earlier, and I'm optimistic that science is progressing incredibly rapidly. Like, comparing old photos to what we have in the last 10 years, as I mean, it's exponential. So I'm, I'm optimistic that if, I will figure out a couple more things. If only you were this age in the 70s, you could have maybe been part of that moon mission. That would have been dope. Um, and then you talk about, like, tra- technology. I just talked with uh, 
somebody on on changing our infrastructure to clean energy and like always the dilemma of like the the technology is always changing like it's always becoming more efficient or it's just getting better so when do you invest into it because in two or three years it'll be better so uh you know like like the uh, james webb telescope we, we we had well now i just forgot the other one what was the old one called hubble the hubble yeah and then like uh, you know, like what, 30, 40, 50 years later, we, we have the James Webb. So, but that technology is totally different. The and way the James Webb telescope was actually delayed by like 20 years. It's, oh, really? it's tech that started in like the 2000s. Right. But when they start thinking about like, how are we going to create this thing? And then by, you know, okay, well, we're ready to, oh, the technology has changed so much that now we're going to change the whole the whole thought process between <laughs> be, behind how we, we create these things. Anyway. If you look at that, it could be a good thing. You can consider that a good thing. All of it's not real anyway, right? That's true. None of this is real. Okay, we're going to have you explain that when we come back. Sam's got to do the news. Seems very 80s. It is very 80s. Yeah. It's funny how you can like tell the decade that music is. The ship is waiting. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914. If you want to get in here, you've got a question for Spencer Wilkin, the UW Lacrosse Outreach Specialist who's fresh from vacation in the tropics. Everybody should be jealous. Um, all right, you are the UW Outreach Specialist, so let's let's just talk about some of the – is there anything – like coming up, that's yeah. gonna be super cool. There's or? a couple. There's a couple cool things this weekend, but everything else is a little long term. So I always like to give the planetarium a shout out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Friday there is an album encounter. Uh, I love them. You get to experience music like never before. Maybe appreciate Neil Young of all artists. But um, every Friday he plays a different album in its entirety to uh, the planetarium's stars and it's awesome so it's open to the community if you haven't done it yet i would absolutely recommend checking it out and when you say he you mean bob bob bob, bob allen, allen. <laughs> uh frequent guests on here who talks about very intensive astrophysics he's actually only been on once um i have called him in the past mm-hmm. to, to talk to him about the planetarium and then he doesn't stop talking and then i have to <laughs> hang up on him because i'm like bob i gotta go man there's a show and it's coming on so i do i need to have him on again um the, but but he does he does more than just Fridays. I mean, you yeah. can hit the planetarium a couple different times, right? Uh, so if you're not if you're not a fan of music, you crazy person, uh, you could also go on Saturday and actually attend one of the educational programs that they talk about what stars are currently above you. Now is Bob doing that, or is mm-hmm. somebody else doing that? Okay, Bob. so Bob is the presenter there too as well. Friday sounds like he's just pawning off the work. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to hit play on this thing, and then I don't have to talk at all. Or does he talk over the music? Oh, he doesn't talk at all, but he is a, um, like, maestro, what's maestro? Maestro? Maestro. Maestro. The maestro of Seinfeld. Like, eight-track players and VHS, like, really, really old-school tech. You can't even say it. It's a VCR, VCR, Spencer. like, old tech. It's so, be- oh, like, sorry. VCR is not that old. It no. is old. Um, but he, so, it, the planetarium runs on, like, ectographs. It's yeah, a, but the planetarium does, does it literally have eight tracks? Because yes, oh, it literally. This is not a joke. I've we, seen them. We won't. We did a whole show uh, about how the planetarium is going away when the science center, which is in the budget, you saw it that, is. right? Like the well, it's in the UW system budget, and it's at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. So come the next, next year, uh, after the elections next year, when the new legislature takes uh, hold, how are you? Are you hopeful? Are you? 
are you positive in in the fact that I mean that's the thing you got to you got to think positive for this thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the new building they have proposed is going to be awesome. Um, I love funding towards science. Unfortunately, the planetarium is uh, an, a relic of its time. It is from like the 1960s, and the tech in it is hard to update. It is one of the very few planetariums like it that is a physical planetarium and not digital screens. Where, what building is a planetarium in? In Cowley. In Cowley, yes. which we're tearing down mm-hmm. to build the second part of the phase two part of the Prairie Spring Science Center. Correct. Okay. We will take the planetarium out of there. It's kind of in the basement. Oh, okay. So, but will we be able to preserve it somehow? I, I assume so. It's, it I is wonder a if it has item. historical significance and therefore you won't be able to tear it down. Historical Society, go, <laughs> historical go, go throw it. a wrench in all the plans. I think maybe you piss some people off. You this did that. We, get, we finally get the state legislature to approve this thing. And then the Historical <laughs> Society comes in, in and goes, hey, this thing that's running on eight tracks is actually historical. and We can't tear it down. <laughs> um, but it would be cool to see somebody take it and maybe like put it somewhere else. I have no idea if that's possible because Probably it's a relic. on display in the new building because it looks awesome. I yeah. mean, it is a, a, a true testament of how cool you can make things. It's just gears and, and pulleys and wires and it's very mechanical and looks awesome so even if you don't like music you can go check out this weird thing that exists in the basement of an old academic building (laughs) just go for fun it's just cool yeah definitely and bob will talk your ear off if you want (laughs) to ask him about it and about anything in that realm um all right we got to get a couple of these stories in because this one's very important but uh so fisher fisherman there's there used to be a TV show about this I think they but it wasn't Alaska it was out of Seattle where they go and and fish for crabs fish for crabs oh crab uh, deadliest crab. catch deadliest catch yeah you binge it like once and that's how that show gets watched okay yeah you binge it once and you never watch it again is <laughs> yeah, that it? okay my little Seattle. brother was into it and then uh, we have a friend in Se- Seattle that so we've you know we kind of like oh there's where you know this was filmed or those there's where the boats are but we're in, we're not going to be the, the, the deadliest catch is caught up with us. Huh? Yes, uh, the, it turns out it is, in fact, deadly to crabs. Um, that's actually not the cause of this. But uh, big numbers first. So the Alaskan crab population, the snow crab, which is the crab you will traditionally eat when you go to like red lobster, uh, has the species number has declined by about 84 percent since 2018. They've actually put a 100 percent pause on harvest for the 2022 23 year because there's they've lost about 10 million crabs we do this with monarchs a lot we say the monarch species and the number is high like that it's 80 90 percent but it's over like decades this is four years yes this is what like what what is the cause so um people are are pointing towards warming waters but warming waters is is just a part of what's impacting this so in 2016 2017 the bering strait experienced um, a, a rapid acidification of water due to the increased temperature. Yeah. Uh, that triggered what we're seeing now. It killed off a lot of the larvae. I didn't know that crabs had larvae until I read about this. Uh, but baby crabs got wiped out, and they are still trying to rebound. But because the acidification and warmth hasn't gone away, mm-hmm. it's just preventing them from growing. And so it's just been keeping those numbers really, really low. And whenever you see a large population drop, Certain creatures rely on high populations just to successfully create more. Um, and they're they're definitely seeing an exponential decline because of these changes. And it's it funny. started way back. Well, and it's a funny way to think about this. Like, oh, no, we won't be able to eat crab or crab will be really expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like also like there won't be any crab. 
like who relies on crab not besides the fact that we just it's like a, a commodity for us right like ooh, i get to eat crab today um well there's things in the ocean i would imagine that are going to be very impacted by a 84 percent drop in crab i don't know mm-hmm. if you've you've even thought about that or gotten the, into that. um i mean ecology and food cycles in the ocean are, are very intricate um, and it's, it is a, definitely a noticeable impact. I think right now people are definitely focusing on the why. It actually wasn't known until like two days ago as to why this was ha- actually happening and the fact they let people fish last year despite the fact the numbers were already really low. And so this was caught pretty late, making this problem more aggravated and more um, pointed than what it could have been if they caught it sooner. It was kind of interesting during COVID when we, when everything was shut down, how a lot of nature rebounded. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the fishing industry impacted that, but it would be interesting if we just went, because we're, we're, we're definitely like stripping the ocean of all its resources when it comes to fishing and commercial fishing and that. It would be interesting as along with what, uh, do we know how long the pause is going to be? Did they uh, say? For now, it's just for the year. Uh, yeah. I, I, I but mean, the year is only a couple million couple months crabs. long. That's that's going to take is a little bit. A year or the year? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> is it January we're starting back up or next October? <laughs> probably, probably a year. I don't yeah. know if they've really put it because that's up to politics. As yeah, because it would be that. great if we went. You know what? Let's as a world. You know, we could probably just hold out on not eating seafood for a year, or. You know, whatever it'd be interesting. I have to have a marine biologist on, right? Like, mm-hmm. what if, what if the world just stopped fishing the oceans for a year? Like, what would happen? Like, I want, I, I'm curious. Well, I remember there was a, a Welsh school that was experimenting with new forms of protein, and this is not something I personally would subject any student to. <laughs> but they are making them tr- try out insect-based proteins in their school meals. Um, it's it's like I think it's called Vevo or oh, Vexo. Oh yeah, like crickets and yeah, stuff. it's crickets and mealworms. Um, and it's not like it's a choice. The students can try it. Uh, I know about two billion people around the Earth or so currently eat insects as a major part of the protein of their diet. Uh, not in whales, but <laughs> uh, well, now now when, it is. When we think about like dystopian uh, future Earth, we're all going to be eating crickets. And also, like uh, climate change is impacting all this stuff. And you're like, ah, is climate change real? It doesn't even exist. It's not man-made. Well, it's going to be it's going to be awful if we don't do something about <laughs> it were, because we're all going to be eating crickets, people. My my uh, news repertoire for today is sad. I'm sorry, everybody. I I should have found some more fun things, but here we are. I mean, how crazy is it though? Like the <laughs> the Alaska snow crab industry yep. is shutting down for Completely a year. Completely shutting down. Like we're just like that's the impact of this stuff and it just seems I mean, and it's a weird way to think about it, but like the because crabs are just kind of, you know, like when do you eat crab like once a year maybe. In fact, you probably just came back from eating crab maybe. Actually, one. I had a lobster tail for the first time. I don't think I've ever eaten crab legs. Or at least not more than once. My take on seafood is like Either you got to dip it in a bunch of butter mm-hmm. or a bunch of tartar sauce. So, like, I don't actually need it. Like, I really like the tartar sauce. Or, oh, <laughs> lobster's so good. Well, yeah, because you're dipping it in a ton of butter. Paula Dean, make it butter. All right, we're going to stick with uh, food topics, but not so much what we eat, but what eats us when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. Spencer Hall, Spencer Wilkins in here with me. She's the UW Lacrosse Outreach Specialist. We just kind of like to talk science about once a month with her. Um, You said that uh, we're doing cool things at the planetarium. Mm -hmm. And then uh, 
do have we have we opened science camp sign up yet? Not oh, until February. Okay, so we'll just put that on hold. I just want to make sure we because I, I want to get that out there. Mm-hmm. But for any adults that want to try something new, uh, we actually have an art camp for adults. Uh, they're making wax art. It's called encaustic art. It's February eighteenth. Uh, definitely check out encaustic painting with wax. Uh, it's supposed to be just be fun. It's a very small class just um, on the weekend of Valentine. So you and your significant others or your best pal uh, can go make some art. We like to do just macaroni art at home Mac- with macaroni and cheese. Uh, no cheese. That would be messy. Um, all right. We've been talking. We've been teasing this for a while. Mosquitoes. We figured out a little bit that when the mosquito bites the crap out of me and not my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That's, There's a reason for that. That That's not there. We, we figured out why. Yeah, so we have a pretty good, this is actually a really cool test that they did. So a lot of people think that you know, the lotion I wear or the soap that I use uh, changes the mosquito's attractiveness to me. Um, and that may have a part in it, but that's not the biggest factor. So humans produce a acid in our skin uh, called carboxylic acid, and that is the scent mosquitoes are attracted to. Um, Humans, out of all the mammals on Earth, produce the most of this acid, and that's why they think mosquitoes targeted that one, because humans are great for eating, and um, we produce a lot of that. So there's kind of been a merge. Mosquitoes have been looking for that acid. Um, and the way they tested this was they had uh, about six, a lot of subjects, a lot of test subjects, wear pantyhose to absorb the sense of their skin, and then they put those pantyhose in a box and just saw which ones mosquitoes went to. Are we still doing pantyhose? I don't. Because of female society thing? Uh, some people still wear them. Okay. I don't. It makes my just shoes Just for bank like, robbers and yes. mosquito tests. <laughs> mosquitoes, yeah, they're uh, entirely produced for science now. So, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they put these in a box and they saw which ones mosquitoes were most attracted to. And then they measured the compounds in the folk skin and found that this... Higher prevalence of acid cause mosquitoes to be more attracted. And the problem is you're stuck with it. Your carbolic acid is inherent with you. It does not that's, change with that's time. That was my next question. Can yes. I, like, change my diet so that my skin doesn't, what, exude this this acid in, a, in the form that mosquitoes like? So I'm screwed, huh? So, well, this is actually really new science. It sounds super basic, but it, it's not. Um, we don't 100% understand the production of, like, what causes this in our skin or what dietary impacts, if any, it would have. But as far as what they saw in this test, there weren't any. All right. So anyone that gets bit by mosquitoes more so than their friends, even though you're all kind of wearing the same thing or you've put the bug spray on, uh, you're SOL. Yeah, pretty well. All right. Enjoy. Oh, wow. Once again, real Doom sad news. <laughs> all right. Let's do some. We got a, we got about three, four minutes left. Can we mm-hmm. do, do you got like three, four minutes worth of quick hitters? All right. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk a little bit about, so I was in well, a tropical been, place. Just wait. We yeah. ha, we've been teasing the nothing's real, everything's real. We might have to just get that, that out of the question. Why isn't anything real? Did we do that already? We didn't Did, do that. I don't think so. No, Why we didn't. But so the said, Nobel physics, the, the Nobel prize in physics was awarded to, um, Two scientists for finally putting to rest, is the universe real? Uh, this is quantum physics, and they overturned a long-standing mathematical conjecture called the Bell's inequality that proves uh, the universe isn't real. Um, and what this means in layman's terms is if you had a box 
uh, and you put one glove in it, say the right hand glove, and then uh, you put the other glove in another box, um, you would know that the other glove must be the left hand glove, no matter where you open those up. That is not true at a quantum physics level. Uh, if you put one glove in a box, you would have no way of knowing um, what's in that box until you open it up. This kind of sounds like Schrodinger's cat. Uh, and trying to explain this in two minutes is making my yeah. brain spin. Uh, just know that until we look in the box, uh, we don't know what's in that box. Uh, we don't know which glove is in there. And either way, it would impact what's in the other box. And that means if you separate the boxes really, really far apart and um, open one, you're like, oh, this is the right-hand one. The other one must be the left-handed one. Uh, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I'm not Neil deGrasse Tyson on this. I can't explain the science quick enough. It's all weird. It's super weird. So have physics we, sucks sometimes. Well, the Nobel Prize winners prove that the theory is wrong that, or that, that the theory is right? They developed an experiment that proves... Um, that nothing is real that, or that everything you is You do not know what's in that box. Um, and as soon it, and it, whatever's in that box determines after what's in the other box, not at, before. That's, you can't make the assumption that the left-handed glove is in the other box until you know that the right-handed glove is in the first box? Close, yeah. Something? Yeah, okay. so you, you, you don't know which glove you have, and it immediately determines afterwards. So... Last time yeah, you were on, wow, we talked really about – last time you were on, I don't remember the exact subject. I guess you could scroll down on it. But we talked about, like, scientists are really bored. This is a – they were really bored when they did this experiment. Mm-hmm. This seems like another one of those, even though they literally won a Nobel Peace Prize for it. <laughs> this was like it was, a, it was a boring time in science, and therefore – but they discovered this. I can't remember what we talked about last year or last month. Um, and it was just like, yeah, this was one of those deals. But it was, it was pretty funny. But yep. is this, this just seems like – Oh, really? A Nobel Peace Prize for glove in a box? Come on. <laughs> Someone more elegant than eloquent than I <laughs> could explain this. But I guess we can take it back out a little bit and end on a fun science fact. Um, so did you know that electric eels can stun their predators with about 500 volts of electricity? What's about what's what are we using 500 volts for? I mean, is that taking me out? Is that am I done? That's uh, not great. No, I feel like it. I feel like a stun gun is like 10,000 volts, but it could be wrong. But that doesn't seem crazy to me. But also, I don't want to, I don't want to, electric eels are really weird and gross. Yeah, they are very weird. They, you got to toss heads, your batteries in the ocean their to heads, charge them. Their heads pop out of, <laughs> pop out. When you see them in a, in a aquarium, their heads pop out of the thing. They're just like, also, they look kind of bored. So, I don't know. Um, there was one more, like, you got 30 seconds. There was one more fact I thought. Oh, wait. Do you have a favorite Halloween candy? Because uh, we're not going to get you for Halloween. Twix bars. Twix bars. I'm sorry. That's not even true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just the first one that came to mind. Um, Halloween themed. I always say it's, you're good. cheating when you say a candy bar because you can get a candy bar whenever. But like candy corn would be a favorite that's, or a least favorite. Least favorite. Yeah. Sure. Candy Black corn. licorice is mine. Oh, that's terrible. Popcorn flavored jelly beans. Popcorn flavored jelly those beans. The, those make me like, bleh. Oh, those are bad. Those are okay. really bad. I don't right. like them. All right, fair enough. All right, that's Spencer Halsey, the UBL, Spencer Wilkin, the UWL <laughs> Outreach. Thanks a lot, Spencer. Mm-hmm.